With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll never be able to afford that. Greg, give me something that'll melt my face. Congratulations. You just started listening to Bant the Banter, a Star Wars chat show. This is a show by fans, for fans, and featuring fans. You might be surprised how much we all have in common. Hello and welcome to Bantha Banter, a Star Wars chat show. I am your host, Jeff, and I'm joined today by Mr. Matt Moore. Say hello to everybody, Matt. Hello, everybody. And uh, Matt, you're uh, you're in. You're, I know. You, I know you're in the Eastern Time Zone. Where exactly are you located? I am in the uh, the wonderful little burg of Glenside, Pennsylvania, which is literally about a hop, skip, and a jump from the uh, city line of Philadelphia. So, for all intents and purposes, you could just uh, refer me, refer to me as being in Philly. I won't hold that against you, since I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh, I, I believe I believe this uh, podcast has ended. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Much like the Eagles season. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, burn. <laughs> uh, we won't even talk about uh, what happened this past weekend against the Detroit Lions since we're recording this on January 6th. Um, the, the less said, the better. Uh, so Matt is also a uh, Coffee with Kenobi blogger. That's how our paths have crossed. Uh, how did you get involved with uh, Coffee with Kenobi? I had uh, I had basically had been I had been listening to Coffee Kenobi almost from the inception. I, I I stumbled upon them maybe on the second or third podcast, and I was sort of uh, entering a uh, a renaissance, if you will, of my my interest in Star Wars because I took with two small children who were suddenly intrigued by by all things Star Wars, and uh, had been a bit of an expert of it, my uh, an expert in it myself for low many years, and realized with the uh, the way I was commuting to downtown philly i was in listening to a lot of podcasts and i thought well let me let me see what i can find on star wars so i i found uh full of sith which uh, had recommended a coffee with kenobi and uh from there i just was intrigued by it and long story short when i uh changed uh my day jobs i had a little more free time if you will to to focus on uh writing about things that i enjoyed and loved and, and interested in me and uh, more importantly, did not involve uh, me being shot at with uh, missiles or bullets. So I, I contacted uh, Dan Z and Corey. I just sent him an email and said, hey, I've got some experience writing here and there. Uh, 
you mind if I, uh, you know, if you've got room, could I could I contribute to, to your guys' uh, website and blog? And they said, sure thing. And it's, it's been great fun ever since. Yeah, I remember uh, when, when you came aboard, because I had already been writing for him for uh, a little while, and, and uh, Dan was like, man, this this guy Matt actually sought us out. This was amazing. He was like he contacted us and was like, D- would, "Would you mind if I uh, if I wrote a little bit?" And we were just like, uh, "Please." So uh, <laughs> don't think they were doing you a favor, sir. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, they they, they let me have a little sandbox. <laughs> they, let, they let me play in a little corner of the sandbox. Those, very those guys it. are great. They're two of the most uh, genuine guys I've ever I've ever talked to, and and just very welcoming and uh, very supportive of everybody else's ideas. I've been very supportive of this show since the beginning. Well, and that's one of the things that I really like about the entire fandom is that no matter your differences, uh, there's no need to be heavy-handed and uh, weighing your opinions on certain things upon certain people. This is a, a very open community that sort of, I think, to my mind, manages to get by uh, with uh, enough self-policing because everybody sort of digs everybody. Exactly, and and those people who don't, I just... Anytime anybody starts taking it too seriously, I just have to have to remind myself and and everybody else. You you realize that the the greatest Jedi of them all was three feet tall and green. Precisely. How precisely. can we possibly take this too terribly seriously? You know, and, and, and you know, and you know, if you if you you back that, even not just not just with Yoda, but if you, if you go even deeper in the mythology, you've got uh, Yaddle. <laughs> you know, exactly. Also three foot tall and green. And, exactly. You know, much with cooler a, hair. Exactly. With with a name that's. Uh, that smacks even more of Muppetry. <laughs> Yaddle. Oh, boy. So you spoke of having a uh, renaissance in your, your fandom. Tell me about the first time you encountered anything Star Wars, because I know a little bit about this story, and this is one of the more intriguing ones that I've, I've heard in my uh, travels, if you will. I was, uh, I was seven years old, and we were living in uh, Huntington Beach, California, in Orange County, so not too far from L.A., and we started seeing these signs and, you know, these little write-ups about this little little science fiction film called Star Wars. And uh, my mom, uh, uh, you know, God, ble- God, re- God bless her, she, you know, she's always been a massive fan of science fiction. And so she was very intrigued by this. Unfortunately, <laughs> we uh, got, uh, my dad got orders uh, to, uh, to Germany. So we had to leave California in 77, and we missed the, the premiere. <laughs> and... I'm not quite sure why, um, you know, may, this may just be fog and mist of time, but I, I, you know, it, it seems, if, if I just, I don't recall it just sort of ever coming out in Germany in 77, uh, you know, uh, or coming out to, uh, you know, playing at the military, at, at, the, at the post theater. Uh, you know, it may have, and I just don't remember. But the thing is, is I was very aware of it, and I got very into it, despite having never seen it. So I started collecting every write-up they had in Stars and Stripes. Uh, I'd go down to the to the to the Post Exchange, and they had, and at the time, the PXs uh, had uh, little bookshops and magazine, and literally, not just bookshops, but like magazine shops. It was like it was like basically like going into like a a, a Wawa or a Seven uh, Eleven, you know, or, or a convenience store, except it was nothing but magazines and comics. <laughs> And uh, awesome. And I would just see, you know, on, on these racks, all these Star Wars books, <laughs> you know, in magazines, because you know, by that time, I guess it had just, in, you know, in, engorged the country and engorged the U.S. And so I just, I got very familiar with it, you know, and it, it just, it just appealed to me. And then I think, I believe it was 1978. My mom and I, uh, for some reason, had gone on a Rhine River boat 
uh, river cruise, uh, four or five, six hours, made a couple of stops at some small German towns. And we, we got it, got off at one stop and we're walking around the, the, the town, the, the Altstadt, the, the old little town square. And there was a little toy shop that had all these traditional German toys. And in it, they had <laughs> like eight Star Wars action figures. Mm. Yeah. And my mom said, well, you can pick two. And I said, awesome. And so I, I bought Luke Skywalker and uh, R2-D2. Great first combo. <laughs> yeah, and I, st- I still, you know, I, uh, you know, and I uh, just, and that's what, that's what sold me on it. So that Christmas, uh, I was lucky. I had generous grandparents uh, uh, who were also uh, very uh, uh, deft at uh, uh, navigating the U.S. postal system into Germany. <laughs> and so I got, uh, you know, you know, several Star Wars. Stars. I think I remember, and you know, like I said, time maybe. You know, inter interpolating here, but I remember getting the X Wing and the White Tie Fighter. Uh, you know, and then had the uh, Star a couple of the Star Wars game, like the Star Wars board game, and uh, you know the the electronic Death Star attack. The, do you remember the electronic Death Star attack the Death Star game? Where I you had, yes. You know, and uh, and and just from there, it just proliferated, and I just. I just it, it just became all things Star Wars. I mean, my room was consisted of all the posters. I had the sheets. Uh, you know, I I knew all the words to the you know because I mean I got my mom got me you know my family got me the script you know because they 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 you know sold the script and I finally saw the movie when Wait, I so was, so you had the script before you'd even seen the film totally I, you know and I had even read the had, novel the adaptation oh. the novelization. So it sounds like you had some enablers in your family, much like I had. Oh, totally, and, and, and uh, that's and great. I, I, I'm thankful to them every day. <laughs> so, so you've read you've read the novel, you've read the script, and then you finally get to go see the movie. Yeah, this it has got to be one of the most unique experiences I've ever was, heard of. It was astounding because it was the summer of '79, and I had flown back to the states uh, by myself to spend the summer with uh, my grandparents in uh, northeastern Kentucky in a town called Ashland, and my aunt, who was a lawyer. She uh she said, "Hey, do you want to see Star Wars?" And I said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> and and bear in mind, this is two years almost, you know. Yeah, and it's still after, after it's been released. And so she took me to the drive-in in Catlettsburg, Kentucky. Uh, Catlettsburg, which I think I think is the home to uh, um, uh, the guy who sang "Anky Breaky Heart," uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, thank you. I yeah. spent I spent a summer in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, which is between Paintsville and Pikesville. Okay, so you, you, you know what I speak. Hatfields and McCoys, and I actually at the theater I worked at, I worked with a Hatfield and a McCoy. So <laughs> Outstanding. I'm I'm familiar with the area you're talking about. Oh, it's but it's 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 an unusual place, but it's also it's one of my favorites, you know, because it was it's where I went every year for right. visits. Right, you've, you've got uh, you've got a special connection to it. Always, always. But uh, so there I was sitting on the hood of my uh, my aunt's. 77, 76 Dodge Dart. <laughs> uh, you know, sort of this, uh, you know, teal blue. Back when hoods would support children. Much Precisely, like today, yeah. totally. And then, you know, there on the screen, you know, it starts up with that fanfare. And all I remember is just that fanfare and then just, you know, the ending just going, wow. And, you know, even to this day, my aunt will, you know, will be at family gatherings. And she'll say, you know, and you sat there and you, you, you were like in your own world in a trance. And you spoke every word. You mouthed every word of the film. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you'd seen it a hundred times. And, you know, and it was the first time I'd seen it. But that's how familiar I was with it from reading the book and, of course, from reading the script. And it just I – was, I was in. <laughs> that's outstanding. So it was just – it was incredible. And, uh, you know, I think we saw – 
we were on a flight layover in New York City uh, when The Empire Strikes Back had just come out, uh, heading somewhere back, back to Germany. And my dad and I uh, took a taxi from JFK, I think, into Manhattan because our layover was like 14 hours. Ooh. And, and that's, we went that's to go, not a layover. That's a mini <laughs> And we went to go see Empire Strikes Back before flying back to oh, Germany man. in 1980. So, so. At that, so at that point, that was your first experience with Empire. You hadn't, I assume, at that point, hadn't read the novelization or anything? No, but I mean, I was, you know, you know I was aware of like, you know, all the hints and stuff, you right. know, because, you know, at the time, you know, the actors would be interviewed, you know, and, and there wasn't the sort of veil of secrecy. And of course, you know, there was no internet. <laughs> so, right. you, know, if, you know, David Prowse dropped something like, oh, yeah, you know, here I am telling, you know, my character's telling Luke, I'm your father. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so. Which oh, is spo- funny because anecdotally... Spo- spoiler alert, by the way. Well, which he- is funny because anecdotally, he didn't know that. The only people who knew were James Earl Jones and Mark Hamill. The story yeah. that I've always heard is that the, the line that he uttered in that scene was, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. Oh. oh. So I don't know if Dave Prowse had seen, you know, had seen like a sneak preview and finally figured it out or what. But yeah, that I- was the story that I've always heard. He's a clever dude, man. <laughs> so, that he is. That he is. So, and, and I realize it's been a number of years since this happened, but do you, do you recall when you finally did see the movie, how did it jive? How did the, it's like the characterizations and, and the line readings and everything, how did they jive with what you had in your head? Uh, you know, it was almost uh, a perfect fit. It really was. I just, I, you know, the one thing that struck me is I had, I had always, I don't know why, to this day, I had always kind of thought uh, Ben Kenobi would have much a much bushier beard, <laughs> <laughs> you know, almost almost like the beard that Mark Hamill is sporting right now. Well, you know, when they call a, him a strange old hermit, yeah, you kind of you kind of do picture ZZ Top. Totally, totally. Or totally. a Gandalf figure, except the guitars are not as promo- not as prominent. But, right, uh, exactly. Well, that's great. So, so you saw them in the order that they were released. You saw uh, Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, and then of course the prequels when they came out. I did indeed. I did indeed. So, did, were you able to see Jedi the in '83 when it was released? I was. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as as fate would have it, I was I was back in uh, in Ashland, Kentucky. Uh, the you know the, the the couple of weeks that it came out that you know that first week and was down at the theater, thankfully. So, and I think I think I saw it four times the first day. Wow. So, and of course, that was back when you could actually buy one ticket. And just park it, yeah, just <laughs> stand in the theater, and, yeah, and no, and yeah. nobody said otherwise. Right? So. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a theater in my hometown. I've talked about it before. Another podcast, the the theater that it played at, they had two theaters, one upstairs and one downstairs. It was it's a it's a converted uh, live theater, so they just closed the balcony off and made a second theater out of that. Well, what you would do is you would go watch the movie downstairs. The bathrooms were upstairs. You would go upstairs to quote unquote go to the bathroom and just casually walk into the other theater. And I think that they knew everybody did that, but they didn't care as long as you were buying snacks. Yeah, totally, because that's where the real money is. So exactly. So, um, so when Jedi came out, you know, the hype machine was in full swing. Did it? Did it meet your expectations? Because I was just the right age for for Jedi to blow me away. When it came out, I was seven years old. Oh gosh, totally. I guess yeah, a seven year old. Yeah, that would blow you away. I was. Uh, I was. I was six and a half. Yeah, six and a half going on seven. Well, I, I was I was thirteen, you know. I just had just uh, begun, uh, you know, the the downward descent into puberty, and I, you know, I, I have to admit, I was very taken uh, with them uh, going back to Tatooine, seeing Jabba and Jabba's palace, and all those wonderful aliens and, and different life forms, and it was just moving so swimmingly. And I was digging this. All right, man, we're planning an assault on this super Death Star. This is going to be amazing. And all of a sudden, I'm like. 
the hell are all these walking hamsters doing around here? <laughs> <laughs> walking hamsters. What's what's up with these hamsters with opposable thumbs and spears? <laughs> so, but uh, and I just kind of like, huh? I said, all right, you know what? It's still Star Wars, and you know, there's Luke, and there's 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 ATATs, and oh my gosh, Han Solo, I think he's gonna die, and oh go, thank goodness, and you know, so that was a bit of a start, but yeah, and I. You know, to this day, I still love Return of the Jedi, but, uh, you know, if, if somebody says, hey, you want to watch classic Star Wars, the original trilogy, I say, yeah, let's go with the uh, Empire or Star Wars. What about Return of the Jedi? So, uh, do we have to? <laughs> so, you know. Did you, your response to that is, let's go with Star Wars or Empire, yeah. <laughs> so, I just, uh, I don't know. I think, I remember, I'm, I may be wrong. I'm in, again, uh, too many... Uh, too many, too many beers and uh, other other substances, and too many cl- uh, traumatic stresses and close calls and combat zones. Maybe catching up with me, but I, I, I remember reading at some point that the 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 original aliens or the original uh, inhabitants uh, of, uh, of of Endor's moon were were not supposed to be Ewoks, but uh, the 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 arboreal creatures that are really tall. And there was one that was featured in Jabba's uh, throne room. Uh, it sort of looked like a like a really giant, enormous version of Gumby. Um, and see, I'd, was, al- I'd always heard that they were supposed to be Wookiees. Well, see, I heard that after the fact. Oh, okay. I'm, but I'm, I don't, I don't remember, remember where I was reading this, but I, I, it may have been that summer of 83 in one of those you know, fan magazines that came out. Right. Where they were talking about what could have been. And uh, I just and I could see the picture and I could see the name. You're thinking I just... of the Amana Man. Thank you. Yeah, That's the yellow the and green, yes. the headhunter. Yeah. Yes, those. You, have you ever listened to the Star Wars in Character podcast? No, but I need to, don't I? You, you do, and their episode on Amana Man is disgusting. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> just go take a listen. It's one of their early shows, and the history the the, the history of that character is disgusting. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, go I'll check I'll, it out. I'll, I'll definitely add that to my retina then. So. Thank you. Thank you for the recommendation. I, but, I appreciate but that. But that way, again, it sort of goes along with, with uh, the Wookiees. You would need the same same size actor to play an Amanda Man as you would a Wookiee, and then Lucas realized that he would have a lot more, a lot easier time finding a lot of smaller actors than he would larger actors. That's true, and, and I guess, and I guess you know, this may have been discussed in detail uh, elsewhere, but I think wasn't one of the reasons he decided to go with the Ewoks was he wanted to make it a little more child friendly or something. That would exactly. Yeah, that was it. He, you know, was trying to trying to appeal to the kids because you know ultimately the movies are for kids. You know, they're family movies, yes, but he, his main focus was to make a kids movie, and that's that was always his defense of Jar Jar Binks as well. Well, he succeeded in that point. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, he exactly. also made he's, he also made a you know what I would call a, a very definitive classic series of films. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and uh, so you know it was it was designed for you know for the kids, and I you know it, it's interesting. I just recently uh, showed the original trilogy to a, a friend of mine who had never seen them. She had seen bits. She realized she had seen bits and pieces of Jedi, but had not seen it all the way through, and hadn't seen any of Star Wars or Empire, and so we watched them over a long weekend. In fact, Damn. we watched Empire and Jedi the same day, and thankfully she she loved them all. We got finished with the first one, and she was like, "I I really kind of can't wait to see the next." I was really kind of afraid I wouldn't like them, but I really dig this. And I showed her the original original the theatrical cuts. I actually have access to the original theatrical cuts of all three in high def. I can't reveal where because uh, the person who gave them to me would be subject to litigation. But um, I, I I saw it seeing it through. Yeah, what's, your, what's your address again? <laughs> <laughs> 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. Uh, 
but seeing them through through her eyes as as somebody seeing them for the first time, I've kind of got a little more appreciation for Jedi. I, I sort of felt like I was a kid again. I was seeing it for the first time. So yeah. having having that experience with it so recently, it's kind of got a little softer place in my heart, a little I guess a closer place in my heart than it had before. But I'm with you. Of the original three, it's it's the one that I go back to the least. It's just you know I I, I you know. I don't want to. I don't want to sell it short. It's a. It's a great fun film. It just it, part of that. Part of that stuff on on the forest moon, I think is is superfluous. It could have easily. You know, I would. I would have preferred more uh, uh, and and lengthier uh, takes on the space battle between the two armadas and the two fleets, uh, as well as uh, the 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 character uh, development between uh, Skywalker and Vader and Palpatine. Than I would have, uh, you know, little hamsters. Well, you're right, and you know, going going in even so far as to talk about uh, when Chewbacca swinging on the vine and he does the Tarzan howl. Yeah, which which was great fun though. Come on, it's you know. it's fun, but at the same time, it's sort of a sort of a an indication of things to come when we got the the prequels. <laughs> I'll just say that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, how, but, so uh, we'll just get this out of the way. How do you feel about the prequels? You're, you're not a hater. I'm, I'm guessing you're not a hater, much like I, I. I am not a hater, and basically what I did is I, I went to see all the prequels as they came out, and I was really stoked about that. Uh, and then uh, I enjoyed the first one uh, again. I thought Jar Jar Binks was a little interesting. I, you know, obviously comic relief and a foil, but you know, not all life forms can be uh, uh, super super studly. <laughs> Doug I am attacking. living proof of that. Oh, come on now, come on now. <laughs> you are, you are, to my mind, the the the, the ever changing man based on what I've seen from all of your acting performances. Yeah, there you and, go. And, there so, you go. but uh, I thought it was good. Uh, again, I you know, and I enjoyed Attack of the Clones uh, again because it helped flesh out the, some of the mythology, uh, and then uh, Revenge of the Sith I thought was much darker with the way it should be. And it was a way, nice way to cap everything. And then I didn't really d- debate it anymore until the last few weeks. And I started, I, I rewatched all three. I sat here at my desk uh, over a couple of nights, put the DVDs in because we had just moved house and I was able to finally assemble my little, little star Wars shrine uh, here, here in the family room. Uh, and I pulled out the DVDs and I, I, uh, certainly did not illegally rip them into my computer to watch uh, onto one of my handheld digital devices. No, no, no. Um, but I sat here and I watched it on my on my Although, monitor. Fair use practices, if you own them, I think that's legal. Precisely. So I sat there and I watched them again, and I was taken afterward by how upset I was uh, about how the Jedi Order, uh, having been touted as the ultimate uh, end all. Uh, uh, to everything in the original trilogy, and then, you know, serving as these guardians of peace and the Republic in 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 the the second trilogy, were just complete and utter buffoons, so full of themselves, yeah, uh, and so blinded by hubris, that you know what, Anakin did bring balance to the Force <laughs> because the Force was clearly way out of whack thanks to these guys. You know, uh, I have who, you know, I have a theory on that, right? 
No, what is it? Uh, I wrote a blog about this a couple of months back, actually. You can find it on copywithkenobi.com. Ah, uh, yes, I um, remember this, and this is really good, because this is what got me to thinking about it, and this is why I actually rewatched all the uh, the second trilogy stuff. Right. So so we know Lucas you know, sort of came of age in, in the 60s. That was sort of his formative years, which, as we all know, was you know rife with turmoil, political and otherwise. And I'm wondering if I kind of feel like this is his view of government and bureaucracy. That you know, when he during his formative years, we were we were learning just how corrupt, you know, what with Watergate and the Vietnam conflict and all of that stuff. That his view of any governmental organization would be a little jaded, and so I'm wondering if that sort of colored his view of the Jedi Order, and that's why we got this this bureaucratic, bogged down in politics and and really immovable entity instead of what we were expecting, which was this, you know, this grand altruistic group of, of Jedi who would defend the downtrodden and fight the corrupt and things like that. I, I don't know. It makes sense to me, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's uh, it's, it's disappointing. It's damn disappointing. I just, I felt, I felt, you know, this, this may be, you know, a reflection of time and tide, but I just, I felt cheated. Because I was, you know, essentially brought up that these were uh, scions and bastions of goodness to be looked up to and uh, and and looked toward, and then it just the realization was that they were just feckless and incapable of of seeing the danger that was literally right before their feet because they were so self-consumed with doing everything right. And I find uh, it's it's being this is this feeling I have is being exacerbated because. My kids and I are watching the Clone Wars on Netflix. Uh, I I was living in Germany, and uh, uh, you know when the Clone Wars came out, and um, didn't really have a TV. Uh, much like we don't we don't really have a TV here anyway either. But so I sort of I missed out on the Clone Wars. <laughs> I right. Just, I just it, it, I thought oh, it looks kind of interesting. And, I, I watched them a year a year behind up until the last two seasons when I broke well, down and got the Amazon season pass. Well, I, I made the mistake of uh, of. Uh, <laughs> of, of Initially, you know, thinking I'll start my entree by watching the Clone Wars movie, okay. which, which was a bad move. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so when when the hype built and they you know, put them on Netflix, I said, "All right, you know what? This is this is perfect. My kids are nine and seven. Uh, this is something that we can all do together." And that's what we've been doing. And so we we've just now started season three. But it, my gosh, just these first two seasons, you know, how this Jedi Order lasted as long as it did. It's just literally amazing. It's, you know, I, good Lord. <laughs> it it <laughs> almost know, makes me wonder if there was even much thought given to the way they were being portrayed. I, I kind of feel like, okay, I'll put this on Front Street and I think everybody knows. I don't think the first two prequels are very good movies. Uh, Attack of the Clones in particular is long and sort of, sort of, directionless not a whole lot happens in the movie and it almost feels like for at least the first two films and even a little bit in attack of the clone i mean revenge of the sith like we were getting george lucas's first draft and he hadn't bothered to give it another pass to really think about what he was presenting and with the clone wars especially it i I, yeah i'm with you i don't know why they felt the need to give us this jedi order that Again, it just makes the wrong decision at every turn. You know, it's it's 
it's it's almost as if you know it's okay to make mistakes you know to err is human or you know in this case uh you know uh, uh Jedi Twi'lek or yeah. or Twi'lek or you know or, or Thorian but just every single time I mean at, at some point you know it you know I'm sitting there watching it you know and especially in Attack of the Clones and it's just thinking to myself at what point you know just you know does some sort of committee of Jedi come up and say look you guys are gone. <laughs> You're ousted. <laughs> you know, term limits now. <laughs> so it's and it's just I, yeah. I, I realize it's it's all fictional and it's really kind of pointless to be getting up in arms of it. It just it just right. blows. It's just, you know, just it's like come on, really? <laughs> we we deserve better. Well, and if you if you just look at it from a logic standpoint, you know they they were basically forced into using the clones. Oh, totally and. I, I, I guess the more I think about it, the more I look at it as it's just sort of a masterful orchestration by, by Sidious, by Palpatine. To Amazingly get, so. He, he's sort of the, the grand puppet master. And to me, maybe we're supposed to just realize that's just how evil and how manipulative this guy was that even the Jedi got duped. But that's not exactly how it comes across. Or maybe just the fact that, you know what? He's the guy who brought balance to the force because he knows how to operate it. <laughs> very true. That's very yeah, true. And he, he gets things done. So, uh, but I digress. <laughs> so, do you do you have do you have a favorite scene from any of the movies that is just sort of one that that when you think of Star Wars, that's what you think of? There, that's that is a difficult question to answer because there are so many. But you know, to my mind. There's a couple of scenes that just that just as you say just are Star Wars. You know, there's that scene um, where the Falcon and Empire Strikes Back has soared past the Star Destroyer only to land on the back of the command deck, and it's just you know Vader looking out, and turning around, and the, the Imperial officers are just looking at each other, going you know, and you know they don't say a word. Just right. The way they the way they swallow, and you realize. Oh man, someone, someone's gonna get spanked. I noticed really? when I watched it this time, there's a guy that's doing something on a data pad, and he does not look up from that pad as Vader walks past. <laughs> then, as soon as Vader walks past, he drops it and looks up as if to say, "Oh God, yeah, I'm still alive." <laughs> to me, that just that just you know that just nails everything about it. And then, you know, speaking with Empire, there's also it's that that. Uh, that final scene, you know, where Luke and Leia are in the medical bay on, on the medical frigate and they're looking out after Lando and Chewie have just uh, uh, decoupled and are, are, are blasting off and, you know, the camera pulls back and, you know, it's, you know, it's almost like they're silhouetted by this massive galactic vista. And to me, so that just like, you, can, you see that and you realize this is truly a galaxy spanning story. And just, yet, the, but yet the focus is still on those few characters. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Much like the Lord um, of the Rings, it's an epic told on an intimate scale. Yes, increasingly, and that's just to me. To, it's, that's incredible. So, and then of course, I'm always, I'm always loving the fact that um, you know the the images of the trench run in Star Wars, and then how it reverses back to you know diving deep into the Death Star and Return of the Jedi. So. Right. Very true. 
I have a thing for B wings and X wings. I don't know why. So. <laughs> well, they're cool. Okay, so maybe you can answer this question then. Why is a B wing called a B wing? I get X wing, I get Y wing, I get A wing. B wings do not look like bees. Shouldn't they be called T wings? Oh, definitely so. I mean, they should be called cross wings. So <laughs> that's the weird thing. Uh, you have to look that up. You don't have the blueprints for the blue wing uh, for the blue wing for the B wing as well. So I need to check that out. <laughs> check that out. Get back to me on that because that, it, that it's, it's bugged me for years. That has always been my favorite Star Wars ship, and I, and I I don't know why. It's just, just something about it. I, I love the fact that it's got a sort of that you know, that built-in gyroscope. That's why <laughs> that's why I loved it because when especially the toy, that's when I was like, oh my, oh wow. So the pilot is always up is always right side up. Precisely. Of course, you're Blew in space. Mind. You're in space, though, so there is no up or down. (laughs) Mind your own business. (laughs) Damn physics. (laughs) Of course, in space, there are also no explosions. This is true, yes. (laughs) um, Which I I will say, I think my favorite moment in uh, Attack of the Clones is when Jango Fett Fett and uh, Obi-Wan are going at it in the uh, the – they're sort of in that asteroid field. And they'll cut to outside, and it's completely silent before Django launches his missiles. And then there's that sonic boom. You know the sequence I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, I do. I do. love that sequence because it's just love so unexpected. Because every time I'm thinking, is there something wrong with the sound? Oh, no, they're just doing that. That's really cool. And I love the sound that that, that sonic bomb makes. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. It's like a sperm whale passing an enormous kidney <laughs> stone. <laughs> so. And I don't want to know why you know what that sounds like, but... Uh, what an interesting life, Matt. I've seen things, I've seen things. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a reason I drink at night. <laughs> in the dark. So. <laughs> as long as it's not, doesn't start during the day. Uh, just wait till the sun goes down. Uh, do you Do you collect, are you a collector? Do you collect any merchandise or memorabilia? I used to be obviously, you know, when I was a kid, because I got, I, you know, uh, we always, I always got all the toys. I mean, and, and you know, literally by, by 1985, I had every Star Wars toy made. Outstanding. Every single one of them. I was close <laughs> at that point. I, 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 I think I've, I was missing about five or six ships, and that was it. I remember capping my figure collection by going to a Hills department store uh, in, uh, in Cincinnati and finding the medical droid FX-7. Seeing it, I thought, boom. I went and I paid for it with my allowance, and I, you know, you know, got out of the car with my mom, my dad, and I said, did you find it? I said, I found FX7. They said, how do you feel? I said, my work here is done. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, I now own every Star Wars figure made. <laughs> so, awesome. then of course, after like three months later, they, they made more. But, uh, and that's kind of when I, I sort of stopped. I mean, you know, I kept a, I kept a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, I actually helped, uh, I paid for college, uh, part of my college by selling off a lot of my Star Wars stuff. That's awesome. Uh, so, and this was obviously you know before eBay yeah, we, we and could online. Do that back, yeah, we could do that back then. Before, oh, it, totally, it, totally. The market was and flooded. The one things I, a lot of the stuff that I did keep, I kept a lot of the twelve-inch dolls, uh, and I, uh, you know, like you know Boba Fett with with the Wookiee scalp. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, the the Obi the original Obi Wan Kenobi and. Uh, Star uh, Luke and Leia and Darth Vader with the lightsaber. Nothing was lost, and and then a few of the ships. I had you know the AT-AT, and I had of course the B-wing, and I had had the X-wing, the original X-wing from '77 that I I did combat damage to by you know, I because I'd been a modeler, I'd, I'd built models you know in the early '80s, so I decided I would weather my X-wing. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, unfortunately, I lost everything else because. Uh, 
my mother's house uh, in Colorado Springs uh, was consumed in the Waldo Canyon fire, and I had kept most of my stuff uh, at, in the basement of her house. So, uh, so I lost all of it, and now I have. I don't avidly collect, but there are certain things that I have been looking for and buying, uh, including, you know, I have bought some things to replace old stuff. Like, you know, I bought, I did, I did a search and thankfully through eBay, I found the, uh, the original vinyl LPs of, you know, like, you know, the story of star Wars for empire, star Wars and return of the Jedi, the, the original soundtrack, uh, uh, on vinyl, and then of course I've I've bought you know, like the the. Do you remember the storybooks that came out? You oh may, yeah, you, you may have been too young for one of those. No, you know, no, I've no, I've yeah, I've I had the the ones that came they came with like an album or a, or a cassette tape. Yeah, well, there's also there's also the they also published uh, these these storybooks. For oh, the hardcovers. Uh huh. So, every I, one of them. Yes. Okay. And I still yes. do actually. All right, I've I've got those, and then you know I bought some new stuff. You know, like you know, like you know the the national the NPR Star Wars radio dramatization it's scripts. So cool. Uh, lo- yeah, love the, love the radio drama. Uh, this is going to be heretical, but I actually prefer the radio drama to the to the films. I think well, given the choice, there's there's more. You get six hours of Star Wars, four hours of Empire. Mm, precisely. Although yeah. I will say Ari Gross as uh, Lando Calrissian in the Return of the Jedi radio drama does leave a little bit to be desired. We don't speak of that at More Family Compound. <laughs> it doesn't exist. So that's actually that's actually uh, Billy D. Williams. He's just having a bad day. Right. So, but yeah. You know, then I and then of late, I have I have been buying some of the uh, the Black series, the Six Inches. Oh, those uh, things are great. Oh, uh, you know, and you know, I, I, I'm I'm kind of judicious, but you know, like I uh, I I started my 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 collection uh, this time around the way I did originally. Literally, almost—I think it was almost uh, 35 years to the day that I bought the original Luke and R2D2 action figures. Mm-hmm. I found Luke and R2 in Black Series six-inch. That's outstanding. And, and I bought them, and I showed them to my kids. And I remember—I I remember putting a picture on uh, on Reddit, Star, the Reddit, the, the the Star Wars thread on Reddit, uh, saying, you know, you know, literally like 35 years to the day. You know, when I was my my daughter's age, you know, I, I bought these two action figures, and now I've I've bought them the same ones. And some guy posted, "Oh, not gonna be much fun to play with them. They're in the box." And I remember I replied to the guy, I said, "You know, that may be for some people, but all the Star Wars toys that I have now are not in boxes. They're on the shelf, and they're designed to be played with because I don't live in a museum." Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so the only reason that my Black Series figures are still in their packages is because that's the easiest way for me to just store and display them at the same I, time. Right I, now, I totally agree. And you know what? I've got uh, I've got the uh, Sand Trooper uh, and the Speeder Bike uh, guy still in their boxes because it was the easiest way to stack them up on the top shelf. Exactly. And, and my, yeah, my Speeder Bike is still <laughs> in the box as well. It you just know, looks so cool. That's such a, in the box and everything. It's yeah. Oh, totally. The, totally. I love the packaging. It's it's awesome. And then I, you know, I do have. Uh, I d- I did I did ask my kids not to open up. I did find a couple of uh, three and a three quarter action figures from uh, I guess in the aughts, and then you know it was the Ralph McQuarrie version of R two D two and C three PO, and then the Ralph McQuarrie version of uh, Star Killer Hero. Well, and those are great because you've got, especially the packaging, because you've got the Macquarie artwork on the card. Oh, well. oh, totally, so totally. I, I'm, I, I, all of mine are still in their package and, and displayed on the wall as well. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, no problem just, with that as well. I just I I told the kids I said you can play with anything on these things that you want. I don't care what. Just just do not open these two, please. So, so. you'll have to buy you don't have to buy extra for them to play with. <laughs> that's, that's actually not a bad idea. So they're not, so. and you know they're not. It's not really cost prohibitive right now, thankfully. No, it's not. But you know, I've always been of the mind that uh, you know things are only valuable if people are willing to spend money on them. So right. you know, and that's. You know, it, it it astonishes a lot of people uh, who, when they meet me, they they realize, wait, you don't collect comics? No, I read them. Not at all. No, I read them and then I give them away. What? You don't keep them? I said, no. There's really no reason. Yeah, yeah. The idea of comics as investment these days just blows my mind. You know, it's uh, well, and you can thank the '90s for that. Because, oh, absolutely. You know, you know. You know, people printed a million copies of X-Men number one and couldn't understand why they couldn't put their kids through college. Much like I have run into people who have uh, said that you know, they're printing a million copies of Star Wars number one and they're going to buy five copies and be, retire to, uh, to Bimini when they're older. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when, the power, <laughs> when the Power of the Force 2 figures came out in 95, my brother would start buying. He would buy like seven of each one. And I said, why, why are you doing that? He's like, because these are going to go up in value. I'm like, dude, no. The reason that the original vintage ones are so expensive is because nobody did what you're doing, but now everybody is doing what you're doing. Precisely, precisely. So, yeah, it just boggles my mind that people still think of of comics and baseball cards and even toys as investments. Yeah, when it's not. No, the the best time to, if you're going to invest in a toy, the best time to sell it is right after you buy it when nobody can find them on shelves. There you go, there you go. So, So, uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about comics. Thank you for that segue. You're welcome. I, I know that you have a, a special affinity and a, and a, and a kind of a, a strong connection to the, the Star Wars comics world, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I was working for the Associated Press, I had come back to the U.S. after many, many years abroad, and uh, I, I wanted something to do to sort of keep my writing chops fresh that wasn't uh, general news uh, and, and something that you know sort of gave me a, a respite from managing all these reporters and whatnot across across the mm-hmm. state of Pennsylvania. And so I just casually mentioned to the entertainment editor, I said, you know, do you have anybody who writes about comic books? And they said, well, no. I said, well, can I? I said, sure. I said, so great. So I, I would write about comics basically on the side. You know, I do it something I would do at home at night or, you know, in the morning before I go to work. And I mean, you know, I would occasionally do it at work because I was running it on the AP wire. Right. So, you know, I was getting paid to do it. But uh, um, that's, uh, and that's when I realized that, uh, you know, there was still Star Wars comics being published by Dark Horse. And you know, I I remember buying the Star Wars comics from Marvel in the late seventies. Uh, vivid memories of going to those uh, post exchange magazine shops and buying them. Uh, and so I dug them up and found them, and realized that uh, wow, they uh, are better than ever because you know Dark Horse had taken them all and reprinted them. Right. <laughs> you know, in, in these wonderful volumes, you know, seven volumes, uh, and then again in a, in a more modern version, I guess five or six years ago. Uh, but they were doing all these wonderful, I guess, you know, at the time, expanded universe stories, uh, as well as you know some of the you know characters that we were all familiar with, and I just dove right into it and just it was it was it was a nice, easy way to help sort of promulgate and rekindle the the Star Wars Renaissance that uh, had always been there, but it's sort of kind of been latent and or or just lying lying there dormant. Uh, and I have I, I took that and you know that when I 
when I when I left AP last year um, you know, to, to take a break, uh, you know, I, I kept it up, and that's why I'm writing for Coffee with Kenobi. Uh, but you know, and now of course, obviously, we've got this. The license has switched over to Marvel, which was no surprise to anybody. Right. Back to Marvel, <laughs> you know, given the, the Disney ownership. And to me, it's 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 a neat way. Not even neat. Needs need, need support choice. Need support word. It's an amazing way uh, for these new stories to be told, especially given that they are all going to be canon. Exactly. And so, oh, my, so they are. Yeah. No. All, all the Marvel stories are are will be canonical. So they are they are being developed, and you know when the the, the Marvel team uh, led by a led by by the the, the books editors uh, editor Jordan White. Are basically they are consulting with the uh, the Lucasfilm Story Group, and everything in the comics, at least right now, uh, is going to be in the canon. Interesting, but everything that Dark Horse did is in the the Legends. It's content. it's all it's all in the Legends. It, it is all in the Legends, and of course, you know, it, you know, uh, no surprise whatsoever that Marvel has already revealed that it's going to be reprinting and, and reselling a, a, a whole heap ton of those Dark Horse comics, <laughs> you know, under under its own uh, imprint uh, in brand new glossy shiny editions that uh, you know the collectors can now you know buy again and again and again. <laughs> See, I've got them all. I've got them all. I've bought them through the Dark Horse app, so I read them on my iPad. Smart move. Good smart for move. Me. I I was one of those guys that uh, that uh, that final week of uh, last year, I, I I did drop that three hundred bucks. Uh, See, I had already dropped quite a bit uh, a while back. They had done, it was like, uh, I had a, I think I had a coupon for like 50% off whatever I ordered. No, so nice. I got a ton of, of the omnibus, omnibi, omnibuses. No, omnibi, no, yeah, that's, yeah, and I had done that as well, actually, because you know, like, you know, I had, uh, I, you know, I did that with the, uh, the you know, when Dark Horse reprinted the original Marvel Marvel series. Yes. I bought, I bought that, I bought the omnibi digitally, and, you know, but then I later found uh, a version before that in print, you know, that, you know, instead of being three volumes, it was seven volumes, and it's, it's actually much bigger, <laughs> so... Wow. Uh, and you know, yes. Let me head this off right at the pass. Uh, I will probably buy the Marvel reissue of the original series <laughs> <laughs> because because it, it will be an even bigger format. See, <laughs> the, I have I have the uh, the uh, the Marvel run, the omnibus editions of the Marvel run, which I believe there were five that Dark Horse printed. Was it five or three? Because uh, I, I have five. Okay, is, is it smaller? Is it is it is it is it is it white? The cover, you know, is yes, it? Yes, the covers are okay. white. All right, because the ones the ones I have in print uh, were actually, you know, number one was red, number two was like sepia, three was um, periwinkle, and it's just they're a little bit bigger than the print editions of of the of the traditional dark horse omnibus you see on bookshelves. Yeah, that must be must have been like a special, special, extra, ultra special edition because these were just and I would get them, you know, for fifteen bucks on Amazon or oh totally or yeah, yeah. So and I also had uh, all of the trade paperback collected editions of the Star Wars Tales, because I love those. Oh my god, those are amazing. That was probably my favorite series that Dark Horse did. Oh my god. Uh, you know, I hate to be so you know, full of hyperbole, but those things are just... They're just fun. Those things are off the charts awesome. The uh, My favorite story, which is probably going to be no surprise to anybody, Wait, is this... Go ahead. Can I guess? I'm going to sure. guess. Go ahead. Is, is, it the, is it the Han Solo, Chewbacca, Indiana Jones crossover? Absolutely. Dude... Saw where that was going before it got there, and then when it got to that last panel, I was laying in bed and I went, "Yes, they did it." See, I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. And then, I, then you know, 
I, you know, I just did not that see last it coming page. Until, I was until, reading and I saw it. I was like, "Is it? Are they? Are they doing what I think they're doing?" Yes, they did what I thought they were doing. That's awesome because yeah. So I was sitting at my desk reading it on 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 the iPad and I was starting to fist pump like, "Yes, yes, yes, <laughs> yes!" Because you know, if if there's anything that is secondary to Star Wars is my love for all things Indiana Jones, and that may, you know, and it, you know, and it's not even really secondary. Those. Those fandoms are neck and neck. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you know that just you know that whole Star Wars tales, that whole series. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I, I, you know, I just I stumbled upon a couple of the uh, the issues in, in my local comic shop and was just flabbergasted. Then uh, those were some of the ones I actually bought. And I bought for some reason I bought it on the Kindle app. <laughs> well, that's what I went back and rebought them last week when they ran everything on sale. I went back and rebought all of the Star Wars tales collections to have them digitally along with my. So that I can loan my uh, my paperbacks out if I want. There you go. There you and go. And I well, rebought I... the Omnibuy as well, so that I can loan those out if I want. Well, see, I was sitting there going through when they announced you know the fifty percent off sale, and I was just going through and clicking stuff that I did not have, did not have, and I realized, well, shoot, you know, everything I'm clicking is three hundred forty bucks. Not out with it. <laughs> there you go. Just get everything. Save forty bucks. So and and I immediately, uh, you know. I love the cloud, but I immediately and I love cloud setting. But uh, I, I immediately downloaded every one of those things to my uh, to my tablet. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, good call. And, and you know, and I was telling my wife, she goes, "You're never going to read all these comics." I said, "You know, but it doesn't matter." She goes, "Why?" Well, I said, "The potential is there." She goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "If I'm sitting somewhere, if I'm out, I'm walking the dog, and I have my tablet in my satchel, and she decides to play in the park, I sit on the park bench, and I want to read." You know, Tales from Moss Eisley Cantina. By God, I can do it. There you go. And she goes, "You're weird." I said, "This is a great country, or what?" But I'll never <laughs> not. I'll never not be entertained. <laughs> I was, you know, it's it's funny because I was talking with a friend of mine from high school, uh, who you know, whom I got back in. You know, I I sparked uh, an interest in the comics for him uh, a couple years ago, and. <sighs> You know, and it's then because I, I just finished watching two or three episodes of my kids of Clone Wars and they went to sleep. And I just, I, uh, you know, I FaceTimed him. I said, hey, Mark. He goes, hey, man. I said, hey. He goes, he goes what's up? Anything wrong? I said, no, it just occurred to me. He goes, yeah. I said, remember that time we were, you know, goofy 15-year-old kids discussing what the Clone Wars were probably like? He goes, yeah. I said, don't you think it's kind of cool that here we are now? That we can watch the Clone Wars whenever the hell we want to. <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's pretty yeah. awesome. We're living so, in the future. That's what I always so. say. We're living in the future. But yeah, you know, but yeah, anyway. But the comics, you know, the Star Wars tales, those should be a must read for anybody. Whether you know you've you've been reading comics for a while, or you're brand new to comics, or you know, are looking into Star Wars comics, you've got to read Star Wars tales. The baby, uh, the baby Darth Maul uh, story was. <laughs> pretty amazing too you know that jar jar bink story was actually pretty it was it was so, you know, sort of shed a lot of light and you know and yeah i know none of them are you know canonical but they're just it doesn't great, matter it's great storytelling you know that story about yaddle being trapped yes and teaching herself the ways of the force for so long you know it's like okay that's that's it's incredible i never understood everybody going up in arms about uh, them saying the stories were no longer canon because again, I have to remind everybody: you, you realize this didn't actually happen, right? They're not saying that. Well, you know, people got emotionally invested into some of these characters, and I cannot decry them for that because you know that's that's the sign of an excellent series of excellent characters. I, 
you know, I, for some reason, I'm, I'm not quite sure why. I never, you know, I, I made an attempt to, to read Heir to the Empire when it first came out. Didn't take, didn't like it. Before that, you know, I had all the original, you know, first editions of Han Solo at Star's End, you know, all those ones by Brian Daly. You know, I had uh, The Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and I read those, and that was it. And then, uh, you know, and then, of course, when, you know, when the decision was made that these were now legends, it didn't really affect me. I was like, all right, whatever, you know, it's great stories, they're out there, that's awesome, that's the way it should be. But now, of late, you know, with I have a I have a fairly, you know, two hour commute every day for work. So that Wait, for, that two is, hours both ways, right? Not two hours. No, no, each no, no, yes, two. You know, one hour, one hour in, one hour back. That's pretty legit. That, that's that's the same as it is here in the Metroplex for most people. So I'm okay, in the Dallas yeah. Fort Worth area. So. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I commute from basically from Philly to Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. So and uh, it's a, and it's a wonderful, nice little drive. It's it's very very pleasant. But uh, you know, it's given me the chance to sort of you know it's where I do a lot of my podcast listening. It's also where I it's also where I do a little I do a lot of audiobook listening. And you know, I've I've been going to the library and checking out uh, the CDs of some of the expanded universe titles. And you know, I just I just got done with Air of the Empire. I thought, okay, it's not bad. You know, now that I'm older, I can appreciate it. Now I'm in the second one. Yeah, it's not bad, and it's given me a sort of a, you know, a healthy dose, and, and maybe a, a look into why some people are so passionate and are so upset about this decision by the by the story group to uh, to to take this out of out of canon. And I do, and I get that, but people like the guys who said, "Well, I've got an, you know, my entire bookshelf is now useless." I just didn't get it. That's how could it be useless? I wasted it, it all that time. I'm like, you didn't enjoy reading the books. It, it brought you entertainment. Yeah, was it homework? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a story. It's a wonderful story, and you can they can never take that away from you. <laughs> no one can. Exactly. So you enjoyed it. That's all that matters. So, so, but I mean, that's and you know, and to my mind, that's kind of what we'll see with the, you know, the comics, especially all the Dark Horse comics. You know, yeah. You know the the print versions are never going to go away. Uh, you know who knows they may go up in value a little bit as you know people decide to oh gosh I really wanted that, but then you know Marvel I you know, you, trust me Mar- Marvel will be will be reprinting a lot of these because you know, right. they they own the license now. You're never yeah. not going to be able to find them. Yeah, you know, and it's you know and. And you know, I I can't speak for Marvel. I, I you know I know Axel Alonso, the editor in chief. Uh, you know I've interviewed Joe Casada, the chief creative officer. Uh, you know a lot of the staff, a lot of the writers and stuff, and the and the artists and the creators and the talent. The Matt, Matt's nickname is Name Drop, folks. <laughs> no, not in the least. I'm not kidding. Least. <laughs> but but it's just that you know everyone talks about well you know they're they're gonna they're gonna just do their own thing. I said no, they're gonna they're gonna do what's right. You know these. This is a company that has been telling amazing stories for seventy-five years, uh, seventy-six years now. Well, and that's, uh, that was the whole thing when change. Well, and it, that's you know brings us to another question I had it was about the Disney acquisition. People were so up in arms about it. I'm like, you you realize Disney is one of the most successful entertainment companies in the history of anything. They know how to do it. Yeah, they're they're kind of they're kind of good at it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're not going to muck it up. There's no way. It's just not going to happen. So when uh, – okay, first question I have is since you are such a comic, comic fan, how do you feel about Jackson the six-foot green rabbit, and do you think he needs his own action figure? Uh, I would, you know, if, you know, I don't buy action figures very often, but my God, if, if Hasbro did a six-inch black series on that guy, I would no scarf kidding. that up. First one Although, in line. Although I think it would probably be like seven and a half inches if you count the ears. Right. Well, I'm wondering if they would do removable ears just to fit them in the box. 
Oh, totally. They could totally do that. You know, that'd be awesome. Or they could give you like a variant where you have a different head where yeah. his ears are flopping down low. Give him you casual, know, casual ears and dress ears. Yeah. There is a podcast. Some guy, let me bring up my file here real quick. Some guy did a podcast based on that story arc with Jackson. One of my favorite parts of that story arc is the crazy Jedi Obi-Wan Quixote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just off the charts. That's that's nuts. That's nuts. But uh, no, I you know, I I, I I I have a distinct memory of reading that story when it first came out, and I thought it was great. It was great fun. It was yeah, it was stupid. But it's fun. But it was entertaining. Yeah, that's the way it should be. I'll have to I'll have to. Uh, I I don't have it in in iTunes anymore since I cleaned out iTunes. But there some I stumbled upon this a couple of years back. Some guy took that story arc from that from that from that from that from that from that series and did a full on complete dramatic reading with a diff- with a full cast that's about 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 the, you know basically those three issues in six episodes basically a radio dramatization of of of, of, that's the, outstanding. of the jack of the jackson story arc from that i'm from jealous that. that i wasn't involved I, I will i will find it and i will send it to you privately uh you know and and you know and you can you can you can just I'll enjoy post it, it on the, I'll post it on the Facebook page, post a link to it if I can find it. So everybody, definitely, everybody can enjoy that. That's great. So it's, how it's did you feel? How did you feel when you found out about the Disney acquisition? I was uh, I was pretty stoked. It seemed pretty clear to me that uh, that Lucas uh, had other things on his mind and uh, was really up for something different. And you know, once I realized that like uh, six billion dollars in an afternoon. <sighs> Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with it. So, but, uh, you know, I, I think they're gonna, no, these, these, these people, you know, the folks at Disney, they know how to do things. They know how to tell stories. Uh, are we going to see any effects effects? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to actually see the, the, see the force awakens before I, you know, come up with an opinion. You know, I'd, I'd like to see what they've done first. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with Rebels so far, especially this latest episode that just uh, aired yesterday, A Jedi's Path. Uh, they got Frank Oz back as Yoda. Oh, yes, yes. So I've, I've been very pleased with that. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. And I think that, uh, I think Force Awakens, everybody's going to love it uh, just as much as we think we're going to. And I have... I have a feeling we're going to like The Force Awakens more than we realize we're going to like it. Uh, I just, you know, based on you know the the the, the short uh, teaser, um, you know, some of the detail that has been, you know, verified twice, thrice, four times by different sources, you know, and you know, and among different websites, something's just going to be really awesome here. I'm I'm fully expecting to at some point during the movie realize that I am in tears just because that's the kind of guy I am. And I'll be sitting there and realize and it'll dawn on me. I'm watching star Wars with the original cast and I'm enjoying it. Oh, totally. And you I know, think it's going to, I think it's going to hit me. I won't lie. You know, I, you know, wait, I, we took the kids, you know, like I said, uh, Oh, we ended up going to see Big Hero Six, but it was basically, you know, I told my wife, let's, let's go take the kids to see a movie. She goes, well, you want to see it? I don't care. Our theater is going to show the Force, you know, the Force Awakens preview, because it, you know, it was one of the one of the one of the, like the the twenty theaters that we're going to show it. Right. And I said, I don't care what we see. I just want to see the theater. I just want to see the preview. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, 
you know, they, they, <laughs> of course, you know, the night before they dropped it online, I was like, oh man, so what? I'm still, we're still going to the movies. So I watched, I watched the, you know, the preview online on, on iTunes and uh, my wife comes in, she okay? I said, she goes, I go, I said, I, I need a moment. <laughs> she goes, she goes, are you okay? I said, she goes, what's wrong? I said, it's 2014. And all I know is that I'm going to get a sequel to Return of the Jedi, finally. <laughs> yep. so, you know. I went to work. I hadn't seen it. I went to work and I have a couple of friends that I work with that are big Star Wars fans. And they know that I'm an even bigger Star Wars fan. And so one of them said, have you seen it yet? I was like, what, the trailer? He said, I said, no. He says, okay, take your phone, go look it up, go into that meeting room over there so you can have some alone time and just take it in. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did. And I got to be honest, when uh, John Boyega popped up, it <laughs> Those looks, were the droids we're looking for. It looked so Mel Brooksian that I thought I was being punked. <laughs> I thought I was watching a spoof. <laughs> I just there was something about it that just you know. See, I saw that and I just thought he looks like he is in some serious trouble. Yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> that was the thing. I was like, I, I, I kept it. I, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the scene in Robin Hood Men in Tights where the kid runs from way off in the distance, runs up right up to the camera, and does the Home Alone thing and then runs off that's what i thought i was looking at but then when i watched it again i was just like you i was like man he's yeah he's in some trouble that's great he needs help <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i just no, i just and, you know and i mean i know i know everybody likes bb8 and you know that's kind of intriguing but you know it's just like eh, what really what i just i what just really got me though and i literally you know i got all misty eyed was you know, seeing seeing those Tie Fighters come after the Millennium Falcon. No kidding, right? <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God! Yeah, it's real. It's, it's happening. It's happening. coming." <laughs> and it looks like Star Wars. Totally, totally looks like you know, Star Wars. Say what you want about the prequels, it didn't feel. I, I've said this about Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels feels like my Star Wars. The prequels and the Clone Wars are not my Star Wars. They're still Star Wars, but they're your kids' Star Wars. They're not my Star Wars. Yeah. This feels like my Star Wars. Yeah, that's. I have to agree with you on that one. You know, it, you know, to me, this is like whoa, Nelly. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's amazing. Oh, I found it. It's called Star Wars Marvels: The Audio Series. I have heard of that. That's what it's called. It's I uh, will, six chapters. I'm adding that to my. Uh, they have a Facebook page as well, so everybody who's listening, go to Facebook and like these guys because they're doing the Lord's work. Do they, have, uh, they have a Facebook page. Yeah, they have a Facebook page. So I don't know what? if it's I don't know if it's active, but they have 127 likes. Cool. <laughs> so, sorry. So, yeah, go check that out, everybody. That'll be great. Thanks for thanks for finding that. Yeah, it was from late December 2010, and I'm <laughs> and I think I think I had stumbled upon it the first time because I was just basically like just perusing all these Star Wars podcasts and had downloaded like like 30 of them, trying to you know all right you know I'll listen and I'll then I'll start calling. So. so. Right. <laughs> So. Well, and so I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a hint. I've said this on the show before. The only reason that this is called this show is called Bantha Banter colon a Star Wars chat show is so the name Star Wars is in the title. So when people do a Google search for Star Wars podcasts, it'll show up. Yeah, it's a smart thing to do. <laughs> SEO, I, I, SEO, I right. man, That's SEO right. runs the world. <laughs> so we've talked about we, we've had our geek out moments for a while now about what we love about Star Wars. What is your least favorite component of the Star Wars universe? My least favorite component? I was I would I would have to say Ewoks. Oh, the hamsters <laughs> that you were referring to earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely so. Uh, no, in all in all seriousness, though, I, I would think that uh, 
there are elements uh, of, of the saga that I think were just sort of put in there for um, d- dramatic effect. Um, I do think that uh, I do think that the uh, the relationship between Anakin and Padme uh, and, and Padme Amidala was, to my mind, a little too forced. Right, it was not handled well. No, and I, and I think that detracted from the story. Um, it fe- I, that felt like it felt like it was written from the perspective of someone who had never had an adult relationship. And maybe that was the point that Anakin, did, you know, maybe because Anakin didn't have a quote unquote parental figure during those formative years, maybe that affected it. I don't know. Maybe that was a point, but it just didn't, I'm like you, it just didn't work for me. That's, that's understandable. That's, that's but totally Padme did. That's the problem. I would buy Anakin's behavior. I didn't buy Padme's behavior. Huh. Well, and I'll have to say another thing that really bugs me about about this, and, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to pick on, um, you know, the, uh, the the second trilogy. I wrote this on Facebook earlier tonight. I criticize because I love. <laughs> this uh, this whole uh, this 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 whole uh, uh, well, for lack of a better term, this whole this whole thing with Maul being able to kill Qui Gon Jinn. It bugs me because, you know, I know he's a Sith Lord apprentice and he's, you know, rather good at what he does. But what, again, it goes back to my general distaste for the Jedi in that they're supposed to be just amazingly, uh, you know, adept at everything they do. But but it seems like any any punk with a saber or a blaster could damn near best them, you know, and, you know, you got, you know, you got Maul killing, uh, you know, a revered, skilled Jedi, only to be cut in half by, you know, sort of a, you know, not quite ready for primetime Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? No, I'm sorry, it's not floating. It's just not making any sense. So, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's just me. That's just me. Well, so. and then, of course, you know, being cut in half wasn't enough to kill them all either. No, of course not, which, again... The miracle of comics. Right. <laughs> you right. can bring them back. So. Oh boy. So if you had to choose, we've talked about it, and I think I know your answer. But if you had to choose one of the six Star Wars films that we have so far to watch from now on, which one would it be? <sighs> There's no argument. The Empire Strikes Back. None at all. It is. That is. You know, you, I asked you what you thought of when you thought Star Wars, and any any time I think Star Wars, it's an image from Empire. It's either the Battle of Hoth, the uh, the the way the, the the pink and orange hues of Cloud City, or the orange and blue hues of the uh, the Freeze Chamber set, or that purplish nebula at the end of the movie. Those are that's what I think of when I think of Star Wars. So I'm I'm with you on that. That's so vivid because I can just I can see you know as you as you as you say those words those scenes are just popping up into my head exactly you know to me the thing that is so appealing about the Empire Strikes Back is how character driven it is and despite the clamor and the clang of these uh, asteroids and laser ble- laser beams and um, you know battle on Hoth uh, it is ultimately the story of four friends. It's a story of Luke becoming a Jedi and Han and Leia falling in love. 
It very much so, and, and it's and it's a story of people finding who they are, right, and realizing I'm not complete and I'm not done, and I need to take the next step. And I think we see that in everybody, particularly uh, with Lando, who realizes, oh, yes, I'm, I'm a scoundrel and yeah. I've been a bastard, but I know this and I can and I can be better than this. So, uh, you know, which you know, makes him one of my, my favorite characters. And I, I do have to admit, you know, in all in all the up in all the hoopla about possible Star Wars spinoff films, uh, it you know, there there really should be a Lando Calrissian film. I would love to see a Lando Calrissian standalone. Even if it's it, what I would love here's what I would love to see. I would love to see one of two stories. I would love to see what Lando does after the Battle of Endor. Or I would love to see a story with Lando flying the Millennium Falcon and the end of the movie is him losing it to Han. That would be cool. That would be very cool. Did you I read any of the uh, Lando Calrissian novels? Uh, I've actually got them queued up uh, uh, on uh, on my iPad. <laughs> I, I've got the the paperback for uh, the what is it the the Mind Harp of Sharu. Yeah, I believe that's one that I'm is is next on my list to read. I actually have a paperback that I bought at Half Price Books for two dollars years ago, and I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. Oh, I love that. I love that you can find stuff like that. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, again, it's like two bucks, and they were released as paperbacks originally. So the problem was I was trying to find – this is this is the dilemma of, of being Jeff. I was trying to find the other two because there are three books in the series, and it was actually cheaper to buy the collected edition of all three on Amazon than to just buy the other two. But I felt silly buying the collected edition since I already had one. <laughs> what kind of sense does that make? What kind of logical sense does that make? <laughs> this is the cross that I bear. The cross of being a jackass. You don't bear it alone, dude. You know oh. those, those footprints in the sand where there's only two footprints? <laughs> that was me when I carried you. <laughs> so. Oh, great. Now Matt thinks he's God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now we've come. I'm to just, the, I'm just a demigod. I, yes. I, you know, I, I, I'm Lord of the Dips. Yes. <laughs> so, so. You and uh, you and Anthony Michael Hall. There you go. Uh, Outstanding. <laughs> I refer to myself as King of the Dip. dip all the time. Um, we've we've now come to the uh, the lightning round portion of our oh, show. Oh boy. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two options, and all you have to do is, without thinking, just pick one. Okay. And this will tell us all we need to know about Matt Moore, the Star Wars fan. When it comes to aliens, do you go with Moss Eisley Cantina or Jabba's Palace? Moss Eisley Cantina. A traditionalist. Okay, there we go. When it comes to starships, do you go with the Millennium Falcon or Slave One? Millennium Falcon. That is the correct answer. When it comes to furries, I don't even need to ask this. Do you go with Wookiees or Ewoks? Wookiees. Technological, they can help you fly the ship, and they're not hamsters. When it comes to droids, do you choose R2-D2 or C-3PO? R2-D2. Again, very utilitarian. And finally, when it comes to Skywalkers, do you go with Luke or Anakin? Luke. There you go, folks. That tells you everything you need to know about Matt Moore. I don't know what it says, <laughs> but it tells us what we need to know. <laughs> so now my question my question for you is this. is Once uh, Force Awakens comes out, will the, will the Skywalker question probably be re- uh, revisited? <laughs> eh, Depending on what happens? Not. Probably <laughs> not. Although I might, uh, when I when I finish my first round, because I have a list of guests that I'm going to have, and when I finish up that list, I'm going to hopefully start over and have everybody on to talk about different aspects of their fandom. 
I might I'm going to change the top five, and so it might be adjusted by then. No, that'd be cool. I'd like to think by the end of this year, I'll have talked to everybody that I want to talk to. Nice. So, I'm now going to ask you a series of six questions. I pulled a card at random from my Star Wars Trivial Pursuit box. For every answer you get right, for every question you get right, your name will be entered into a drawing for a prize to be determined at the end of this first round of, of interviews. Cool. So you're 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 playing for a prize that you don't even know what it is yet. Hey. So I'm game, you never know. Here we go. Your first question. Who described himself as old and weak? Yoda. That is correct. I would have had to think about that. What pilot took one look at the Death Star and exclaimed, Look at the size of that thing? Oh, it was Return of the Jedi. No, no, no. It was uh, Star Wars. Uh, it's not Jack Parkins. I'll have to pass. I can see the guy. I just can't name him. You don't even have a guess? Biggs. Biggs. Biggs Dark Letter. Close. Wedge Antilles. I said close. Oh, was both, it Wedge? Really? I said close because oh they're both white guys. Oh, my. Oh, well. I would have also accepted Red 2, I believe, because that's what he says, cut the chatter, Red 2, or Red through whatever it is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Darn. Yeah. So, okay, you're betting 500. That's not bad. That'd get you in the Hall of Fame. Uh, number three. Whose last two words in The Empire Strikes Back were, I know? Han Solo. Han Solo. That is correct. You called him Han. You really do love Lando. <laughs> What's not to love? I know the man wears a cape. Totally, and he and he carries it off. And he carries it off. <laughs> okay, question number four: What room on the second Death Star was the site of Luke and Vader's lightsaber duel? Hmm. What room on the second Death Star was the site of Luke and Vader's lightsaber duel? Was it not the Emperor's throne room? I don't know. Was it or was it not? I believe that it was. Yes, it was. That is correct. So you're now you're now uh, three for four, doing remarkably well. Question number five: What creatures are sometimes referred to as Tusken Raiders? Oh, the Sand People. That question really should be reversed. What creatures are sometimes referred to as Sand People? It should be, I think. It should be. Either way, you knew it. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, have you sidetrack? Have you read Kenobi the novel? Uh, no, I need to though because I was actually uh, uh, when I, the the posting that I'm working on for the website uh, about the variant covers. I was actually talking to uh, to, to to Miller about variant covers. Oh wow! <laughs> so, and See, then and then it finally occurred to me, and I had to write it back. I said, you know, forgive the intrusion. He goes, yeah. I said, all those times I interviewed when I was at AP, I never put two and two together that it was you, the the guy who you know, the Star Wars writer. He goes, yeah. I said. <laughs> He goes, I said, I'm sorry, but you're, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he goes, well, you know, they pay me. He said, all right, cool. So, but, uh, I've, well, I've listened to the audio book, and you learn a lot about Tusken Raider society. It's actually pretty interesting. Now, isn't, uh, well, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it yet, because you know, that's one of the plans. I, it's, that's going to probably be uh, you know, adding into my Audible queue fairly shortly. Right, that's where I got it. Because that, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, yeah. as long as it's unabridged, that's that's the important thing. Exactly. So. Exactly. But uh, I, it just it, it threw me because in one of the Dark Horse comics, uh, there is a story about a Jedi Padawan who is a Tuscan who is of Tuscan lineage, 
but it just kind of threw me because I'm thinking, wait, is this the guy that was mentioned uh, in uh, in in the Kenobi novel? So, but that's as far as I'll go, so I don't spoil it for anybody. That's so. that's not that's not a major plot point in the in the book. So okay, all right, possible okay. that it was, and I just didn't make the connection. Okay, well, we'll see. Because it just threw me because the comic came out like eight years ago. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so clearly somebody was, somebody was, you know, doing very diligent, being very diligent in their research. So. You ready, that's, for, you ready for your final question? I am. Sorry. Please. No, no problem. No problem. I started the rabbit trail. Final question is, who ordered the shield doors of the Rebels' Hoth base closed for the night? No, it was Major Bren Derlin, uh, played by right. one John Ratzenberger of Cheers. Oh my Man. gosh, you're right. Yeah, oh, but it didn't God. sound like John Ratzenberger. They dubbed no, his voice, but it, so it looks like him though. Yeah, it, it is, and it's absolutely him. That's right, it was him. No, Not bad. Four, four out of six. That's uh, I, I that's feel bad though because I should have gotten Wedge, and and Wedge act, Wedge's Wedge's name flew through me, flew through my head, and I don't know why I didn't go with it because it's. When in doubt, Wedge has always got your back. Exactly. Always. He's, 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 you know, he's like, he's like Han Solo. He's, he's somebody who you want as a friend. I mean, you know, because I mean, if you look at Han Solo, I mean, what, what, you, you remember in Empire Strikes Back, the door opens and there's Vader. What does Han do? No question, Shoots. no yeah. exclamation, gun out, he starts firing. That's the kind <laughs> of friend that we want. <laughs> so, but I digress. So four out of six, not so bad? Okay, that's not, that's, not bad at all. Uh, that will uh, that will get you uh, four entries into the uh, the Bantha Banter sweepstakes. I think I failed you for the last time. No, I have no sense. Yeah, you failed me for the first time. Technically, <laughs> 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 wordplay. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned the variant covers. We haven't talked about that yet. But so as the, to end our end our discussion tonight, and thank you again for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, we talked about the variant covers, and by the time the show. Well, no, this show will be out in a few weeks. Um, we talked about the variant covers, and the last count we had, there were going to be right at, what, 100 variant covers? There's about, it looks like there's a little bit more than 100 variant covers are being printed. And it's... Uh, Is that not... Know- does that not strike you as, you know, kind of ridiculous? It's, uh, well, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's ridiculous. I would say it's ridiculous. Well, there but, you go. But uh, here's the thing. You know, it's it, it, it's it. This is a big deal. This launch. You know, this is this is Star Wars coming back to Marvel, coming back to the House of Mouse, coming back. Uh, you know, to under the same roof that the Lucasfilm uh, uh, now lives now lives under, uh, and it's also uh, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be really good for Marvel's sales, uh, but don't expect it to sort of be a, a a recurring thing. You know, you've got. This this issue is probably going to be a little more than a million copies being sold, you know, around the world, which uh, is, and which is almost unheard of for comics these days. That is, you know, if you can get, uh, you know, if you sell two hundred thousand copies of a comic, that's you're, basically like you're a mega hit. Platinum. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is funny because you know, in the mid '80s, that was nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, in know. the mid '80s, that, those were indie comic numbers. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> you know, and but. Uh, yeah, and it's in you know, and Star Wars number one. It's gonna it's gonna draw a lot of public press. It's gonna you know it's gonna be the you know the 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 night of you know the the, the comic shop party celebrating its release. 
And it's it's going to draw heavy numbers, and it's going to really skew sales charts. And you're probably going to see it. You'll probably see it in a, in you know a version in the loot crate, maybe even, uh, which wouldn't surprise you in the least. But then you know what? It'll drop off considerably. But issue uh, number no, two will not sell nearly as yeah. No, 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 not by a long shot. I mean, you know, uh, and and I hope I hope I am pleasantly wrong, but we'll see. But but then you know then you know then the next month you've got the the Darth Vader series debuts in February. Right. Uh, uh, and then, and then fo- you follow that with uh, the Princess Leia miniseries, and then the Kanan series, which was going to be a miniseries, but it's now going to be an ongoing series. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see more coming down the pike, you know, as they see fit. However, mark my words, I fundamentally believe that we are going to see for the first time in what seems like forever uh, a Marvel Comics adaptation of the Star Wars film, The Force Awakens. We haven't really seen. Uh, comics do film adaptations in just forever. Think about it. You know, in the mid in the eighties, you know, Marvel and DC were were doing movie adaptations left and right. I mean, you can, you know, I've got I've got the Last Starfighter issues one through three, Labyrinth. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got the the DC comics uh, film adaptation of Bill and Ted's uh, excellent uh, journey, uh, Bill and Ted's uh, first film. I have uh, <laughs> Star Trek five. The final frontier. See, there you go, there you go, exactly. and and, and, well, we, and we got it. Dark Horse did a comic adaptation of the Phantom Menace, but they but, didn't do one for the Attack of the Clones or Sith. No, no, not in the least. And I, I think, I think, you know, and <clears throat> I really do think we're going to see that. Uh, you know, I've asked Marvel, and you know, they they've not said anything, and that's understandable because uh, that's that's an interesting you know dynamic they've got going on because you got to basically you know go through two different. Uh, branches of the family <laughs> to, to get information so but uh, obviously i mean you know whatever comes out i'm sure it'll be on starwars.com first which is no surprise so but you know i i think with all these variant covers there's going to be some awesome ones you know i variant covers uh have an, an, an unusual appeal there are people who buy them uh for their collectability because there are people who will pay money for them depending on who the artist is you know i mean you know if, you know if an alex ross does a cover it's it's going to draw attention which he did on the dark horse that's that's the thing is this will be the second star wars number one we've gotten in the last two years mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and i really enjoyed the dark horse uh, star wars series that, they did. that 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 series by brian woods was just really good it sort of it sort of fizzled out toward the end now the one the one comic that i uh, if if I may be so bold uh, to recommend to anyone, uh, if they're really looking for an amazing Star Wars comic, is to check out the Dark Horse uh, eight issue miniseries, The Star Wars. Um, it was which, interesting. I I got got it digitally. Well, it's and, and and as did I, but I also, you know, I bought it. Uh, I bought it each issue as it came out. Uh, you know, because uh, you know I. I was I was intrigued, and then when they came out with the uh, and you and this is where you can still feel you should probably be able to find these still in the bookstores, but they have the hardbound edition, uh, both in a normal and a deluxe, and it collects you know the all all the all the all the all the, all the issues as well as you know different covers and everything, and it's just it's an amazing. Uh, view into how the the saga that we all know and uh, are rather enamored of could have been so dramatically different right, <laughs> yeah yeah and you I, know, I, I was surprised when spoiler alert when r2d2 and c3po both spoke basic oh totally totally and totally you know, for a while. and you know 
Mike, I talked to Mike Mayhew, the artist, uh, you know, ahead of the first issue when it came out, along with J.W. Rensselaer. And, you know, both of them, you know, were very, very careful to point out that this was, you know, basically as true to Lucas's thought process and to his original draft uh, as humanly possible. And then, of course, you've seen a lot of the Ralph McQuarrie influence uh, in some of this art, you know, especially with the design of C-3PO and R2-D2. Uh, but it's just, but it's also, it's just a fascinating, fascinating uh, story, you know, with, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, you know, with, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, the Skywalker, uh, you know, almost all cyborg, you know, and then. And Han Solo so, looks like Chewbacca. Totally. And then, Actually, you know, he sort of looks like Swamp Thing. Um, he looks like Zeb Aurelius, though, don't you think? Yes. Hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. He's, he's Zeb. How did I miss that? So. But it's, it's, it's definitely worth a look, and it's definitely worth adding to your collection, whether, whether or not you collect or not. Uh, you know, even, even if uh, you know, you're a, a casual Star Wars collector, this is something that's worth having because it's, you know, aside from having the, the, the initial draft of the, of the script, it's, it is what it could have been. You know, I mean, can you imagine now if, you know, and, you know, I think we may see elements of this, you know, supposedly what they're in the Force Awakens, there are some stormtroopers who will have lightsabers, perhaps. Oh, well, that could be interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and, and this one, of course, they're called laser swords. Right. But And they kept saying, may the force of others be with you. That was precisely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, I, I, again, I, I've gone on a 180-degree tangent. But the, the, the variant cover is basically, it all depends on what you like. It all depends if you have an artist that you like. They're probably doing one. Uh, you know, if you have a shop, a comic shop that you go to, uh, chances are they probably have a variant cover of their own. <laughs> Here's the thing. Everything inside can be just the same. Exactly. I, I feel <laughs> exactly sorry for the, the, poor, the poor bastards out there who are such completists and so OCD about it that they have to track down every single variant cover. Yeah, well, you know, and there are going to be people who are going to do that, and there are going to be shops. Don't be surprised if you see somebody, you know, some shops that will do that and will – they will they will charge some major bank, and you know what? There are people who are going to pay for it, right? Uh, and you know, and more power to them. You know, if they want to spend their money on that, that's great. That's but, great. Uh, that's I just I don't. I was in a comic shop several years ago, and a, a guy was in there who was a typical comic book guy. Was talking to another guy about some series they had been reading, and he said, "Oh, well, did you read issue number four yet?" He goes, "No, I didn't read that. I could only get the variant cover, and I don't read my variants." Yeah, and I thought <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of weird. I don't, it's, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I gotta admit, I, I, I did, uh, I, I did order a variant for myself, but it was four ninety nine. Yes, because <laughs> I, and you know why? Because I like the artist. That that's the Alex uh, Ross covers for the uh, the first Dark Horse Star Wars series that came out in in thirteen. I freaking love. I love. Oh, they're Alex great. Ross. They're awesome. They're outstanding, and I would, I would buy. I, I've got them all digitally, but I had thought about buying a. Print of each printed copy of each one just to display. Well, I think it's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea at all. So, uh, you know, I ordered one uh, uh, through ThinkGeek because uh, it's by the by the artist Pasquale Ferry, uh, and you know he's perhaps best known for drawing Ultimate Iron Man, which is the Iron Man that sort of became the basis for the movies. And being and named then, Pasquale Ferry, because that's, that's the a great greatest name, name ever. <laughs> so, and then. Uh, you know, I also uh, I ordered one for uh, um, um, uh, Alex Maleev, uh who is this amazing artist. Uh, yeah. 
you know, who did a lot of stuff uh, I, on Iron Fist and Daredevil. And I just liked his cover. And then, of course, Mike Mayhew. I, I like Mike Mayhew because he did the Star Wars. And then I haven't ordered his, but I, I, I will probably, you know, at least keep an eye out for it. You know, if it pops up and I can get it at the cover price, yes, but I'm not going to go out of my way. But, you know, I would definitely recommend any Mike May any Mike Mayhew variant cover because you know he's his his stuff is always so good. So but again in the in the in the end run, you know what? The same comic, same Star Wars number one you buy, which will probably you'll probably be able to buy at Books a Million, is the exact <laughs> same one that you can buy for four ninety nine with a Joe Quesada variant cover. <laughs> so <laughs> well, there you go folks. The takeaway tonight is play with your toys and read your comics. Precisely and you know what's gonna go on Matt Moore's tombstone. Totally, totally. So, Matt, thank you again for joining me tonight, taking the time. I've enjoyed this thoroughly, and uh, we'll have you back uh, in the near future again. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts for uh, all of our, our faithful listeners out there? Uh, the Jedi are a farce, and they don't have your best interest at heart. There you go. Uplifting Other than that, and, and in all seriousness, you know, the amazing, the amazing thing about Star Wars is how it brings so many people together, and you can make so many friends uh, some of whom you know some of whom you've never met in this case in point here and it's just it's an amazing thing it's amazing to me that this is the 13th episode of this show that i've recorded and of all of the guests that i've had on i've only met five of them in person really yeah i think five or six i don't go back and look but i think that's about it some, some of the crew from assembly of geeks and so yeah well, that would be six. Yeah, Scott would be number six. Okay. So, yeah, right. so there's six that I've met in person. So less than half of them are people that I've met IRL in real life. So uh, <laughs> the internet is a wonderful thing. Star Wars is a wonderful thing. Matt Moore is a wonderful thing. Oh, and, stop uh, it. You can find him. Where can, and people can follow you uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am on the Twitter at uh, Gorilla Scribe, spelled the proper way, which is uh, two R's and two L's. Revolutionary, <laughs> not, not, uh, not ape. Precisely, precisely, and uh, it it all stems back to uh, uh, a website that uh, I, I I still operate from time to time called Gorillas in the Midst. <laughs> I, <Sorry>. MIDST. <laughs> uh, but don't uh, for a, a second. Uh, I, I will I will be I will be the first to gladly concede that I stole that one from the Chris Rock film CB4. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> And I'm surprised that nobody else has run with it. So. Well, if you're going to steal from somebody, there are worse people to steal from than Chris Rock. Oh, totally. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, it's Gorilla Scribe on Twitter, and then uh, of course Coffee with Kenobi, and I, I also uh, I, I do a I do do a blog uh, at uh, double check to make sure it's still running. <laughs> 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 Gotta check. Sorry. Uh, if I ever figure out how to put my Tumblr onto here, uh, I do have GorillaScribe.com. Right now, it's an old uh, live journal account that carries my tweets. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, and then I also have uh, you know GorillaScribe.tumblr.com, which is where you can see a lot of my my scribblings uh, and and photos and whatnot. It's, as, as as I call it on my Twitter feed link, it's uh, my life live. So great. Yeah. We'll look all of that up, and uh, I'll. Attempt to link to most of that on the from the Facebook page so people can find you once the show goes live. And uh, again, yeah, you can find us both on Coffee with Kenobi every month. Sometimes more. Matt tends to post periodically within the month when he gets when he gets scoops from yeah, uh, feel, the world of comics. I'm trying not to do that. I'm tr- I'm trying to stick to the schedule. So yeah, 
<laughs> sometimes you just can't wait. So. This is true. This is true. Sometimes so. you just can't wait. So uh, until next time, Matt, thank you again for joining me. Uh, and everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, until next time, for Bantha Banter, I'm Jeff, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening. To find more episodes of Bantha Banter or other Marvin Dog Media podcasts, visit marvindogmedia.com. To keep up with all the happenings in the Bantha Banter universe, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Marvin Dog Media, Instagram at Marvin Dog Media, and Pinterest at Marvin Dog Media. This show has been a production of Marvin Dog Media, all rights reserved. How many times can we say Marvin Dog Media? Marvin Dog Media. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.